rambling into the podcast like we usually do. That is literally how we always start <laughs> because we can't not talk about our countdown, which we don't get this time. Yeah. So do you want do you want somebody in the audience to do a countdown for us? Yeah, I think the moment's passed. So <laughs> that's not how you count. That is how Riverside <laughs> used to count us in. That's so. true. That's true. But all right. So for our friend and family who are here. Uh, <laughs> welcome to our live pod for good. Uh, this is exactly how I thought a morning podcast would go. By the way, yeah. I guess we should do our introductions. Oh. I, I am, as always, your chief philanthropod and class clown for justice, wearing the black shirt, Jesse Ulrich. And I am your vice admiral philanthropod and uh, purple class clown for justice, Chris Miller. I'm very excited for these shirts, which hopefully people buy, because um, they were expensive. They um, are the they are the they are the nice ones, though. Yep. So uh, otherwise, Jesse would just be complaining the whole time while he's wearing it. I would be you know, yeah. the thick cotton Gildan. Get yeah. that crap out of here. So Gildan will never be a sponsor of this. No, <laughs> I would say no to their money. <laughs> no, like, you. Wouldn't. I don't want. Yeah, that's true. I uh, you would not. No, they would just take their money back at a certain point after I <laughs> yeah. harass them constantly. Listen, uh, some sponsors pay to get harassed on podcasts. That's true. It's why a thing. Why can't we get those sponsors? I'm just asking that question out to the world. So, just, I, uh, You can't tell uh, listeners, but I just looked across the audience and that's how I know that we don't get those kind of sponsors. <laughs> so, all right, Chris. So as we, as we vamp here, as people slowly show up yep. for a 930 breakfast session. Yep. Um, We've been doing this for three years now. Ooh, three years. Mm, that's a long time. It is a long time. How do you feel about the show so far? Ooh, indifferent? No, no. I, right. I, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a fun three years. We've got to meet a lot of people. Most of them Jesse had already met, but so I got to meet a lot of people, uh, learn about a lot of cool stuff in Tulsa about a lot of cool places, a lot of people doing a lot of awesome stuff. And, you know, Jesse and I get to make a fool of ourselves, which yeah. is one of our favorite things to do. It's great. And it's a, we're making a fool of ourselves really only to that person because I usually edit those parts out. Um, <laughs> that's but, true. One day, maybe you can just make a reel of all of the outtakes. That's true. But then I have to keep track of that. And that's a whole thing. Yeah. So uh, if only I still had my intern. If only. I miss you, Carter. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about the show? Since you have to do all the real work, yeah. I just show up and look pretty. It's, I mean, I, I do miss doing the interviews in person. Yeah. Those, those were a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Hopefully I'll get some rugs soon and we can start recording in my house. But I think the show is really good. I mean, I personally, I wish like more people who told me they listened actually listened, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, I accept that because that's how podcasts are. So yeah. as, as long as people know the podcast exists i feel like we are doing some good um it does feel like there are thousands more listeners than there are actually than there listeners. actually are yeah so it, unless they're it's, all sharing the same device i don't know how this works so <laughs> i appreciate it. at least my wife tells me she doesn't listen to the podcast yeah, yeah. so but she she often downloads it though yes so i appreciate good. that yeah really that's all i ask of people i'm like you don't even have to listen just download <laughs> on as many devices as possible so you know, because I mean, I listen to long podcasts, but I know not everyone likes our brand of Marin-esque uh, absurdity. Yeah. So. so you're saying we should start doing what, like 15 minute podcasts? Oh, God, no. I can't. <laughs> you know how hard it is to make a 15 minute podcast? Of I our, know how hard it is to take our nonsense and make it down to 45 minutes. Yeah. So I can't imagine trying to get it to 15. I'm still sad. There's like 30 good minutes of our conversation with Dan Devey from Gaze in Space that did not... That's it's on the cutting room floor because I was like, this episode's too long. Did no you save gonna, it? I did save it, yeah. There I had to save that great Mountain Dew content we had. So That's, yeah. But to answer your question, I think that I'm very happy with how the show's going. I honestly thought after three years we sort of run out of people to talk to. But that I guess that's that is a sign of how good Tulsa is. That we keep finding new people. And there are people who like I've thought about interviewing from the very beginning who we still haven't gotten to. Yeah. So Yeah. Well, and, and it seems like almost any time I talk to people about this podcast, they always have ideas for people I've never even thought of yeah. doing things that I didn't even know about. I'm again, like as a as the editor of the show and the host, like it's fascinating. I'm holding a microphone, which is yeah. something I hate editing because uh, <laughs> people constantly move the microphone closer and farther away from their what mouth. What are you talking about? Yeah. 
I'm keeping the sound level constant the whole time for you, mm. Jesse. So much reverb in here. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't care because I'm, I'm on stage. That's right. I'm on stage and but five people are here. So, you know, which honestly is more than I thought for this first segment. <laughs> I'm like, no one's coming to a 930 live podcast thing. No, so, it's, it's fine, though. If there are people standing in the front of the building, which we can't see, come on down. Yeah. I don't know if they can even make it this. seem like there's more of a crowd. Yeah. Honestly, uh, Jesse and I would just do this in a room together, which we actually people, do. People allowed us to. Yeah. 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 No, we don't. We don't need an audience. It just makes us stronger. It's true. It's true. We take the power of their applause. And yes. It makes us even more ridiculous. Yeah. So because yeah. if we do a joke and like five people laugh, that's great. 30 people laugh. We're like, we got superhero powers. Yeah. So you assume I'm, I assume you've never made 30 people laugh. At oh, once. rude. You've been in class with me. You know, that's not true. <laughs> so I almost yeah. want to work the room of, of the five people who are here, but yeah. I won't do that. Um, so what brings you here today? Yeah. Where are you from? <laughs> Tulsa. Cool. Cool. Um, so, okay. If, if we're going to keep doing this and we do this for another three years, like yeah. I, I'm always thinking about what the goal of, the goal of pod for good and how it shifts slightly as we continue doing this. Ooh, we so. should shift to pod for bad, where we just start interviewing villains of Tulsa. Ooh, I, yeah. you know, I think that'd be even harder to schedule than the good people. Cause at least people <laughs> the, try to do uh, good the bad people are busy. Yeah. Well, no, the, the good people are also busy, <laughs> uh, but they'll eventually answer me where I think the villains will just ignore me. Yeah. So yeah, we should list by name those villains right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, I almost immediately said one, and I know you're thinking the exact same one. I was like, uh, is this not the location or space to do that? Yep. Yep. <laughs> and like, will we have someone like visually represent I-244 as the <laughs> guest? So um, thank you. Uh, I Ooh, another another guest has walked in. Yeah, that's I mean, exciting. D- does he count? I mean, he's a warm body. Yeah, that's mostly. True. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, just warm from like the heat here. So because again, it's mid late September in Oklahoma. So it's still kind of hot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's almost fall. A couple days away. Yeah. And then it immediately changes temperature. Yep. It immediately gets to just yeah. kind of cold. Yeah. So, Jesse, why don't you talk about this cool space we're in? So we are in the new Holborn, I guess, Annex, I think is what they're calling the new part. Um, it is very cool. Holborn is a coding school. Um, we're going to have the, um, CEO of it on here soon and we'll ask her all the questions. Yeah. Um, hopefully ones she hasn't had, she hasn't answered before because that's kind that, of our goal. That feels unlikely. True. Well, listen, we'll try really hard yeah. to come up with a very interesting question for yeah. her on it the fly, a- which again, for our listeners, Chris does a very good job of getting very little prep time for guests he hasn't met mm-hmm. and asking them really good questions. Like yeah. I know ahead of time who we're talking to. Yeah. Um, he always does a really good job of just coming up with questions as we're talking. So I appreciate that, Jesse. Jesse is really good at uh, talking himself into a question. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. I love yeah. meandering my way into a question. Yeah. yeah. Which, again, you, the listeners, don't hear because I add that out. He does. He um, does. His questions are usually at least 30 to 45 seconds longer than they are when you actually hear them on the podcast. Well, I like to express that I'm trying to get to a place <laughs> so they understand the context of the question before yeah. I ask it. And I probably don't need to do that, but it's no. better than just a long string of ums and yes. So, Probably. which I would also edit out. So yeah. I guess it saves me no time. Um, mm. um. Listen, I'm not going to edit this one. So <laughs> if I try to edit this one, I'm just be working on it forever. Yeah. So yeah. This room fails the clap test, but it is a cool space. We got a huge screen behind I'm sorry. us. I'm sorry. What, what is the, what is the clap, the clap test? test is a, you do, you do a very large clap in a room to see how um, the echo and reverb is, uh-huh. how quickly the clap sound disappears. So, ah. Actually, not bad. So, okay. See, there you go. Thank you, Nora. Yeah. It is, a, it is a cool industrial space. Yep. Like a lot of buildings in downtown. I bet yeah. some of it they couldn't change for historical reasons. So. Yeah. And why would you want to? Yeah. Just be just to make editing easier for Jesse probably yeah. isn't a good Listen, I would love it if the world catered to me more. So I think as we all would. Yeah. So, but it doesn't. It caters to you enough. Does it? (laughs) Question for the audience. Does it? Um, All right. So we've been doing pot for good for three years. People, again, people hilariously know that 
I host and kind of edit Pod for Good. Don't know I run a business of podcast production, yeah. even though I mention it every time, which is another sign that people don't actually listen. <laughs> but we're not going to turn this into why don't people listen? Yeah, because that is a a terrible way to get people to listen. <laughs> so, but um, you should just ask each guest. Yeah. So on the spot, listen. do you listen, and why don't you? Yeah. Are we ready for you? <laughs> well, let's bring let's bring on our first guest because I think we've amped enough. Yeah. Uh, come to the stage, Chris Davis. Yay. Yay. Where's the... Oh, let me do it. Right yeah. Out. Hey, everyone. Oh, wow. There we go. Hype Gotta have everybody. a sound effect. Yeah. Yeah. If I had brought my, my board, I would have played all sort of sounds sound effects already, which is probably good. Is that what you do at, at home? You've got like a whole soundboard that you're yeah. kind of just like on the spot mixing it? Yep. Okay. Oh, it's, yeah. It's pretty great. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's easier to do when we have people in person because like virtually like I'd have to set up a whole thing but um yeah how's it how, going good how often do you guys do live podcasts like how often is it in person this is our first live in front of an audience okay. sort of podcast uh last year for our second anniversary we did a live stream yeah of five and a half hour long live stream slash uh, fundraiser yeah slash fundraiser for, i think was that the potathon i think i remember yeah yeah yep. and what's that. people paid to have me eat generic mayonnaise and yep. it was horrible oh man yep. yeah he does not like mayonnaise i don't like mayonnaise in the best of situations yeah, yeah. no i don't always I, save mayonnaise is the worst thing i've ever tasted and you ate some for the podcast i did like a Even large podcasting is an audio medium yeah well, well, well no we were, we were streaming we were streaming oh, okay. yeah okay. yes yeah okay. yeah that makes it better. <laughs> it was pretty funny yeah. uh, to me. Uh, what's funny is like looking back on that live stream, I, re I remember every guest we talked to. I don't remember a single thing I said. <laughs> the um, audience rarely does either. Yeah. Well, that's probably better for all of us. So, well, we are here at day two of the Spark Summit put on by the Tulsa Creative Engine. And for the people who say they listen to our podcast, we've had, we've had Chris Davis on before talking about this, but... After day one, how are you feeling so far? I'm I'm feeling good. I just want to say to you, Jesse, it's great to be here talking to an artist uh, who, is, yes. who is in his art form. <laughs> and, That's right. I'm doing, in my oeuvre. Yes, um, exactly. Listen, that conversation has actually been very helpful to me because mm. it sort of, I love that it changed the way I view what I do, and it makes a, it makes what is difficult for me make more sense now because um, artists artists have certain things they're strong at and certain things they are not strong at. Totally. And I, I realize I'm not strong at those. I am strong where, I, where artists are strong and not strong where they are not strong. So I appreciate that. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, I love, love hearing that. Yeah, for I'm not good at running a business. That is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> so we're here in Hol Holborn, which is like the sort of hub of sort of Spark Summit. Some um, panels and sessions and whatnot. And so let's excite the six people paying attention right now of what what are you interested in hearing from today i'm gonna actually pull the schedule out Ooh, on my yeah. phone and just live schedule commentary um this, this is what people well, so yeah. before the schedule pulls up for yes. sure most excited at 11 o'clock this morning there's a hip-hop artist named la russell la russell's one of the headliners for the dreamland festival which is the music festival is happening in conjunction with spark summit um so I guess you've kind of like, since you were here yesterday, you've kind of painted a picture to your listeners of what Spark Summit is. Dreamland Festival is the music festival part of that. La Russell is this really great hip hop artist um, from Vallejo, California. He's performing at Dreamland tonight, but he's on this stage at 11 a.m. right after us uh, in a fireside chat. He's like blowing up this year like it's actually i think we're gonna look back in, in a couple of years and be like holy crap we had low russell here um he's kind of like charting his own path in the music industry totally independent really building like a strong fan base like an online community and an irl community one of his cool things is like he built a music venue in his own backyard and started nice. hosting shows there because he didn't want to like work with venues and he's just like wants to do things on his own terms um, so he's going to be here at 11 o'clock talking with Chris Harvey from Blackwood. Um, so I'm really excited about that conversation. Um, if you follow La Russell on Instagram, like his, like he'll post clips of him performing, which are great, but then he'll post all these like sound bites of him in interviews and they're like equally great. So uh, excited to have him performing as well as on the conference. 
Um, and then we've got all day outside. We've got the Cypher 120 day party. Have you ever talked to Written Quincy? I have not. Oh, you gotta, you guys gotta meet Written Quincy. Do you know what Cypher 120 is? I do not. Okay, so Cypher 120 is like kind of a legendary event in our hip hop scene. It started about 10 years ago. It's like a live band open mic. Um, and written as a poet, educator, um, rapper, singer, like very, very talented guy. Uh, he's on a few of the fire in little Africa songs, uh, as a poet, he created cypher One Twenty to really build culture in our city. Um, I think it originated in like 2010, 2011, kind of around the time that the oil house collective was coming up and like our hip hop scene was really being birthed and cypher One Twenty was kind of like one of the first like intentional spaces that was created around uh, building community around music and specifically hip hop. So they are kind of like a pillar of the culture. Um, and so they're going to be hosting a day party all day outside. So they'll be featuring a lot of great hip hop artists like first verse and MC and Thomas who and Jerrica Wortham, Cody Ransom, Sterling Matthews, uh, Quentin Marcellus. That'll be outside on the Holberton stage uh, all day. We've got a really cool tech panel at noon with Tori Burris from Holberton, um, Patrick Hosford from in Tulsa and Anita live from Atento Capital. Um, there's a black tech street panel with tyrants and Steph Simon's brother. So Steph's brother, Sean is a really amazing entrepreneur. He actually just moved back to Tulsa from the Dallas area. So they're doing a born on black tech street panel. Nice. In reference to Steph's album title. Um, we've got like a web three panel talking about NFTs in the music industry. We've got a film panel with Travis Collins, who's the head of Forbes entertainment. We've got some heavy hitters today. Uh, and then we actually have two state senators coming to join us. There was this really interesting piece of legislation about magic mushrooms that was pushed through the Oklahoma state house earlier this year. And it was these two Republican senators that kind of spearheaded the effort. So we're bringing them on to learn more about why they pushed that legislation. Um, it all had to do with mental health benefits for utilizing um, magic mushrooms. So we're going to hear from the senators why Oklahomans should be interested in that topic. So covering a lot of ground, but it's going to yeah. be a good day. I how is it? How's it been going with like shows going on and then the trains coming by? I'm like pro train, <laughs> like the train really adds to the vibe, in my opinion, even like last night, like it definitely came by while I think like everyone that performed last night had at least one train go by. But like as an audience member, like, you know, you're right in front of the speaker. So like you hear the music more than the train. And I don't know, there was something about it that I was like, this is like kind of the best thing that could have happened. So. I feel like the train drivers are giving the conductors uh, are giving train a little extra drivers. extra horn blast yeah. for us too. So. They they crave attention. Yeah, they're like at one point this is literally true. One of the trains like went by, stopped, backed up. Mm -hmm. That's what they and do. I'm like what yep. were you like? Did you change your mind? Like yeah, no, they're trying to fit themselves into a space. Apparently, I I I did some research on this after getting stuck behind the train for like an hour here. Um, I was like, why is it going backwards? It like, took me a while to find out. They're like, oh shit, I made a wrong turn. Yep. Yeah, the, the one we, we are near the one entrance, the one street that does not have a bridge over or under the train. So right. fun times. Uh, it's blocked off today, though, so it won't be a problem for anybody. Yeah, yeah. But no, the train's cool. I think like the whole vibe out on the street last night was just so cool. We've got really amazing lighting and some outdoor art installations. Alex Taman did these uh, amazing like wooden sculptures that are kind of propped up on the warehouse. It's going to be the 36 degrees north space. Um, and then we've got projections mapped on that screen. Rebecca and uh, Campbell McElwain and 1984 Studios did this really crazy like dome that's like illuminated and it's like a barn and there's like a vintage truck out there. There's just a lot going on uh, after dark that I think people I, people were really enjoying last night. And I think tonight will be even bigger. So one short question, then uh, I'll let Chris ask, ask a question. Uh, so people have been debating what they want to call this part of town, this uh, mm -hmm. this sort of stretch. Do you have a Do you have a favorite? Is there like are there finalists? Can I? I don't I don't know. Uh, you can ask uh, Shy because he he seems to know the list of ones he doesn't <laughs> like. And so I think I want to say if someone I think Shy may have, may have said Innovation Row 
Does that is that a thing? Yeah, I think uh, I think he he likes Innovation Station, but everyone innovation else kept saying station. Innovation everyone station. else kept saying Innovation District, which either one is fine. So yeah. Innovation Station, it feels a little like Disney World yep. in a way, yeah. but like. I like it because there's literally a train. <laughs> there is a train. So it's, like, it's true. It works. Some things just work. Um, yeah. I think uh, I do like the word innovation. Um, we talk about innovation a lot with um, Spark Summit and the fact that a lot of the work with Tulsa Creative Engine, we're trying to um, represent artists and creatives as an important component of innovation. A lot of times when we talk about innovation, it's just tech or it's just science or it's just um, business. So one of our philosophies is that innovation is actually the intersection of tech, creativity, and business. So I'm into innovation, but, um, and I'm into naming things. I think yeah, I th so. we definitely do need to get a good name. Yeah. So I'm glad that we're starting this conversation here at Spark Summit. Yeah. And rhyming is always good for a district. I, it makes it easier to remember. That's why yeah. rhyming exists. So, yeah, um, so uh, what's the interaction been with uh, Dr between Dreamland and Spark Summit? So basically, yesterday, there were more or less two different events. So everything for Spark Summit was here at Holberton yesterday, panels and breakouts inside, art installations all around uh, the street outside, uh, at Asimio, at Aru Entertainment. Um, so everything for Spark really was here yesterday. And then we hosted our own kind of music stage last night featuring um, primarily artists from the TCE Accelerator program. So we just wrapped a six-week accelerator where we um, had a cohort of nine artists go through business training and working with mentors. We gave each of our artists a $5,000 grant at the end of that accelerator. And then last night, we got to feature four of those artists on our stage. Uh, and then we had Combsy close it out. So that was what we did yesterday. Dreamland had a whole vibe going on Main Street. I was talking to Cassidy from Holberton this morning. She went out there last night and said it was like super fun, super crazy environment. We had our, so they had a, a headliner named Father from out of town. So Vanguard and Hunt Club and Sound Pony were really active last night for Dreamland. And then today is kind of like the two events converge. Um, we've got more panels and breakouts happening here at Holberton all day. We've got a the Cypher 120 day party, but then after five, Dreamland kind of takes over and we've got, uh, again, La Russell performing and then the queen, the legend, Rhapsody uh, closing out the stage. So it's kind of like Friday was two different events and Saturday is the merge. It was it was fun hearing people sound check yesterday afternoon. Um, like they were sound checking with such passion. I was I was kind of worried they were performing and no one was out there. And I was like, that can't be right. So. <laughs> but like have you ever been to i've been to shows before where like the sound check happens and people are clapping and the band's like this is just sound check like, yeah we'll, we we'll, we'll be we back are, in a few we we're just messing around here yeah. so <laughs> some people are just excited to hear people so yeah. i have no idea what time we're at so um i don't know if it's time to bring on our next guest what time is it uh it's not i've got 9 57 all right we got three it's, more your, minutes it's, it's your show though yeah. i mean yeah it's always good to listen. check the time in the middle of. Oh a yeah, I'm gonna edit the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, listen, it, it's the people's show. You, you can't um, you can't edit life, Jesse. Yeah, if only uh, you can. It's just really really. Have hard. you that reminds me? Have you watched this show, The Rehearsal on HBO? I, I haven't. I've heard of it though. Uh, you yeah. should watch it. That's all I'm gonna say. It's irrelevant to this conversation, but it, it is talking. You said you can't edit life, and that's <laughs> kind of life, yeah. thematically aligned with the show. You should check it out. Oh, put, put that on a shirt. That'll, yeah. that'll be on the next shirt. Yeah, there you that go. and something about the city of Broken Arrow will be on the next shirt. Yeah. Um, by the way, we have shirts now. So Popper yeah. finally has merch. Something that every other podcast does within the first three months of existing. It took me three years to do. Yeah. To get some Popper Good shirts, but I've got them now. So that's right. Eventually, you'll be able to buy them on the internet. That's gonna take time. So. Um, <laughs> Like all things, it's just work. Eventually, technology will catch up, and you'll be able to. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I'm like, can I can I pay can I pay someone no money to do this for me? Uh, the answer <laughs> is no. So, I mean, so I guess what's the what is next for the Tulsa Creative Engine after this? Um, honestly, kind of just getting into. We've been really busy this summer. We've launched a lot of programs. We launched, like I said, the Accelerator. We launched our community recording studio, Spark Studios. We have been really scaling up Spark Summit, which has kept us really busy all summer. And then we've got our monthly events, Frequency and Select Showcase. So it's been a really active year. I'm actually excited to get into the fall and kind of get back into the 
dreamy visiony space of like what does next year look like how can we build on our momentum um what are the new programs what are how can we you know what what do we need to continue um things like that so i'm personally just looking forward to um yeah just dreaming up what's next we're definitely getting into visual art stuff we've um emphasized music in a lot of our programs this year but we want to develop similar types of support and resources for visual artists um and just have a lot of ideas for things like how do we evolve the showcase that we do with fan sub how do we evolve frequency like maybe we do two cohorts of accelerator next year so um looking forward to some space in our schedules for the fall to kind of um think about everything and and uh, be intentional moving into next year and where do you see spark summit going I mean, I feel really good about what we've done this year, and I think it's going to just keep getting bigger and better. Um, I think that one of the cool, I mean, we, so last year was like super pilot of Spark Summit. It was about um, like a day and a half festival. We had a few, you know, I think we had like five or six panels. This year we had like 30 panels. We flew in like 10 different out of town guests. So I think that that's the most exciting thing to me is bringing in really cool people from outside of Tulsa and giving them the opportunity to just like hang out and be with us in Tulsa, meet the people in our community that are, you know, doing similar type of work or work that's aligned with what they're doing. I think that like, you know, on paper, we're bringing them in to do a panel, but it's really like we're bringing them in to like hang out in Tulsa for four or five days and build relationships with the people in our city. So we've got like 10 people here from out of town. I would love to have just, you know, even more out of town guests, uh, more specialized guests in tech, uh, music, art. Um, and then, you know, again, just really allowing Spark Summit to be a place where Tulsans, leaders in Tulsa and leaders from around the world can come together and have forward thinking conversations. Um, so yeah, I think it'll just continue to evolve in that way. And Holberton's the perfect space to do it. So I think we'll keep doing it right here at Innovation Station. And uh... <laughs> choo-choo. All right. Um, well, I know, I know you have uh, Spark Summit Day 2 stuff you need to deal with. So sure. we are going to uh, transition to our next guest. Thank uh, you guys yeah. for having me. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being here. Congratulations on three years of your podcast. Thank you. I Thank know you. that it's... Uh, it's work to do a podcast every single week or every other week or whatever the cadence is. <laughs> uh, you guys should be proud of what you're building and what you're doing. And uh, I applaud you for your work. Yeah, I you. appreciate it. And thank you for, thank you for yeah. this opportunity. So sure. yeah. thank you. Woo. Yeah, she, she came Hello. From I came out the yeah, stage. So, well, so I spent the last yeah. day and a half telling all of our guests to please not jump off the front of the stage so i figured i would lead by example hi friends hi hello uh for the people who are listening to this later this is uh libby uh edinger 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 all right god nailed it Ed editing um the what would your husband call you the ceo the ceo uh, the ceo of holberton of holberton school tulsa yes. yes so you're we are in your new space uh are you happy? Are you happy with the new space? Thrilled. <laughs> Thrilled. You I know, you're just going to stop with, are you happy? Are, are you happy? happy? Are you happy? Yeah, are you happy in life? <laughs> Tell us about so, that. Yeah. Wow. This is now a therapy session. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am very, very happy with the space. I think when we started this school now almost three years ago with students, uh, we had like 40 students on that first day and there was a handful of staff members and it was this kind of small ragtag group in many capacities. Well, those students have now graduated. Um, our staff has ballooned up to almost 20 people. And so we were just like running out of space. Um, and I like to tell people that mm. the fire code on your building is not the same as the limit for a comfortable learning environment. <laughs> and so for us to have the new building, we're adding 17,000 square feet of space to wow. give students a space to learn, which is excellent. That's awesome. Uh, I do have one important question. Um, why was Jesse not accepted when he applied yeah. for <laughs> Did you I've, apply I've, for Holberton? I did. I, I already I already asked Oboom what happened. Uh, yeah, that, there was one question. I just I answered it too many times apparently. So uh, it's fine. We uh, have we have quite the application process. I will say it just got um 
a little bit of zhuzhing up. So if folks have applied and want to apply again, I would <laughs> recommend Now them. it's personal, so I'm going to try it again. Um, <laughs> As you should. So I know from being in some of the other buildings around here that there are some things you can't change because of like uh, the historical preservation society thing. Is there something in this building that you were like, I, I would like to fix this, but I can't? Not really. I, I love the history of the building. You get all of the original brick. You get the the ceilings. Actually, throughout campus, there are some original light fixtures and some that we have replicated to look like the original light fixtures. Uh. So trying to pull um, thematically that history here. But what we teach is software development. So then you've got this really cool juxtaposition of like the new and the tech and the innovative. Thank you, uh, Chris, for teeing that word up for me. Um, and that I like those things being intention. Um, we do have a second building. So our, our campus is actually just two buildings next to each other. Um, and it would have been nice to connect the two. TBD on whether that's right. possible someday. <laughs> so for our listeners that don't know about Holberton, can you tell us about what it is and how it works? Quick pitch. Yeah. Uh, Holberton is a software engineering school. We're located here in downtown Tulsa, and we emphasize learning by doing. So instead of sitting in a lecture hall and being taught at, our students start with heavily project-based learning and peer-based learning so that not only are they able to really master the programming languages for themselves. But frankly, so we build the muscle of problem solving, which is something we know is really critical for the workforce. Um, the other thing that's important to know about us is that we are a vocational school. So instead of taking the, let's call it an eight to 10 week boot camp route, our students are with us for 20 months. And that depth of content and depth of time means that the programs we can offer are far more specialized. So students who come through Holverton can learn things like augmented reality or full stack web development or blockchain or machine learning uh, and are really equipped for the, the jobs of today that frankly we're starting to see ramp up here in Tulsa. I just want to give you props on your microphone positioning as you talk. It was great uh, <laughs> as the editor. Very happy. Um, <laughs> So you yourself don't have a background in computer programming, correct? I do not code. So what is it like running a school of, of, of code learning as someone who has a familiarity with the topic, but not, not the, the sort of the, the ingrained knowledge of learning it yourself? I had a leg up because my job prior to this was working for a software company. Um, and I was on the early team there, helped launch the beta product and ended up spending a considerable amount of my time hiring or helping teams to hire and getting to know developers and work with technical hires, I think equipped me for this job. And then frankly, it's just a lot of memorization. You're like, I know that this student is going into pointers and loops. Do I know what that does? <laughs> a little bit, but I know it's followed by this project and this project. And so you get really good at, at the memorization. And I have, I have said, Someday I will take one of our classes or pick, pick up a terminal and learn a little bit. Do you get students who are interested in coding but like literally don't know where to start? Like they get in, they pass the test that I can't pass. Um, and you know, like there's so many programming languages, there's so many directions you, uh, people can go. Is there like, is there almost a stage where they just get to explore what is out there? A little bit. So the first eight months of our program, you are all in coursework together. So instead of um, having to make the decision on day one that I want to be an augmented reality engineer, you have the, the capacity to spend those first eight months not only really learning the fundamentals of coding yourself, but getting to know all the upperclassmen and asking them, what are they interested in? What do they want to do? Um, frankly, we now have alumni, which is something you take for granted when you launch a school because there are no older students for your brand new class to turn to. Um, I see a grad of ours, Viet, in the audience. And so I know um, not only what Viet studied in school, but I also know what he does now. And our hope is to really try and build out that alumni community or really uh, continue a relationship with grads. One, so that if we've got a student who's looking to go do a really similar thing, that we can make those connections. But also because we hope that there's a continuing 
growing class of this talent pool for Tulsa. And for our students to be able to be at the forefront of that is really exciting. So technology and the environment is obviously evolving very rapidly. So how do you keep your curriculum up to date when what what is new at, uh, at the beginning of an 18-month program is completely different at the end of it? There's a couple of different ways that we've been grappling with this. And, and if I'm honest, not only do I not code, um, but I was not in higher education prior to this job. So both curveballs. Uh, there's a couple of ways I, I think that we've been trying to set ourselves up for success and want to continue to aim for. One is encouraging our students to go learn what drives them. Go take that LinkedIn learning badge. Go get coffee and offer to intern for someone. Go uh, sit in on a Techlahoma panel because we recognize that we can't possibly be everything for everyone for every language. And even when we talk to an employer, we really hone in on the way that we teach and the way that the learning style develops at Holberton. Um, because, and I, I heard a student who's volunteering with us for Spark Summit say it to someone yesterday. She's convinced that if she was thrown a new programming language, it would take her about a week to get it mastered. So how do you convey that to an employer, regardless of if someone has a 2.0 version or a 3.0 version? So that's one thing. The second thing we've learned is that how we talk about our coursework matters. If I put that someone is going to learn an exact language into a course description, well, we have a license and we have to teach to that license. And so we have to teach that exact language. And so what we've taken a step back to do now is say, what at a conceptual level do we know is required? And then as we run projects, and it may be every single time we run the project, the software is getting updated and that allows us to be more nimble. So there's a, a systems piece in there as well. Um, and then finally, we are thrilled at the response we've had from local employers. I mean, from the first day that I had a business card and was walking around town saying, hey, we're about to do this thing. We won't have students for 20 months, <laughs> but can you talk to us? Uh, we've had a good response from, from area CTOs and CIOs and hiring managers. Um, and I'm really excited that now, a couple of years under our belt, we'll be able to launch a true advisory committee and have local employers for each of our programs advising on the curriculum so that even if the curriculum turn isn't every single project, as we think about what five to 10 years looks like, we know that we can keep up with the pace of change. This is like a two-part question where you can take it, whichever one sounds more funny, which is <laughs> there are so many programming languages out there. Is there one that you just, even though you don't necessarily know it, dislike or two, have to include, but know that there isn't, that isn't really a path to a job via that language. Mm. Yes. We make our students spend the first four months with us in C programming. It is not something that many of them <laughs> will use day in and day out as a language, but it is a phenomenal starting place because you can get someone to understand conceptually what's happening in the terminal, conceptually what they're trying to do, before layering on other languages. So I like that we start and see. It also means that all of our students who maybe had a little bit of prior experience, and I mean, very, very few have ever written a line of code before coming to school with us, but the ones that maybe were doing HTML or like editing their MySpace page back in the day, C is such a departure that it kind of puts everyone onto a level playing field that uh, you have to learn and, and grow together. So that's the big one. I also really, really like that our capstone at the very end of the program has no technical requirements attached to it. It's kind of a vague, please use the skills that you have learned. And so we have had students cross-pollinate across their specializations where they've launched a uh, really cool company called Hero Analytics, which is augmented reality analytics. So there's machine learning and database management and the actual experience of AR and VR. We've also had students say, you know what? There's a company in town and they use this stack. And I know because they came and talked to us as students and I'm going to go learn Rust. We don't teach Rust, but they knew that it was something that they wanted to learn. And they went out, learned that language, incorporated it into their capstone, and then turned around and pitched themselves to that company. Um, so 
as much as we can take credit for building some of the systems, I think the ingenuity of the students that come through our doors deserve equal, if not more credit. I think Ruby on Rails is my funny. It's the funniest uh, programming language I've heard of. Like they always, they usually always seem to have some sort of fun name involved. And um, I'm, I'm always curious where those names come from. If you want to come visit campus, we would love to meet anyone and everyone, give you a tour, and you will find that all of our conference rooms are now named after programming languages. Nice. And there was a fight <laughs> between our academic staff, uh, who are software engineers by trade, about which languages could or should be included. Do you have one named Python? We do have Python. Yes. Python is always the one that one people suggest you learn first and two has funny bits in it. So that's entertaining. <laughs> we so. do have Python. We have Git, JSON, React. Some of them are frameworks. Some of them are languages. And then I'll make the plug that Holberton, our namesake is after Betty Holberton. She was a software engineer during World War II, um, worked on the ENIAC computer, um, Invented a lot of things that like technical software engineers still use today, which is very cool. When we added the new building and we were adding all these languages, we remembered that one of Betty's friends, Ada Lovelace, is also a programming language. Like Ada is is a terminology that's used in the field. And so we now have a Betty Holberton conference room and a boardroom named after Ada Lovelace. Kind of very cool. Nice little yeah, Easter egg. That's cool. So, so why was it important to um uh, why is the Spark Summit important to Holberton? For me, there's a couple of reasons why Spark is something that not only did we want to come back to for a second year, but I'm just really eager to see us continue to pursue for years to come. The first is it's an opportunity for us to change the narrative that software engineers or coders or programmers are not folks that are antisocial, sitting in a basement, glued to a computer screen, kind of... Mm, Mark Zuckerberg-esque yeah. image. Um, Chris and I have no idea what that looks like. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's creative. It's collaborative. It's um, it's an opportunity to build something. And instead of painting or sculpting or woodworking, you know, you are crafting something that lives in the internet. Or maybe we've had a student go program a robot. Like maybe the code that you deploy actually has impact in the physical world. And why I like the ability for us to put on something like this in our space is for us to set the tone that we are looking for that creative class to come to school with us or not even come to school with us, be engaged in this technology sector and ecosystem that we are building. Because I think we would do ourselves a disservice to, to build software developers in a vacuum. And then the second thing is it's an opportunity for us to meet new people. The school is only three years old. Um, we enroll almost constantly. We have three start dates a year, but we're always looking for people who are interested. Um, and truth be told, the reason that it was a very easy yes for us this year is even though last year was a pilot, like we not only met some folks that were interested, but we recruited a whole student and she's a student tutor and is crushing it at her job. And, um, and we'll graduate from Holverton. And so, uh, even just having like one of those opportunities is super cool for us. So who intels is like your the sort of biggest employers of Holberton graduates so far? So to date, we have graduated 74 people um, and 35% are working in remote jobs. So um, those employers are all over the place and I could start to rattle off the names, but you might not know any of them. Um, there are a few like household names. We've got a student at CVS, a student at American Airlines. From the local side, it's really all over the place. I mean, the there are you know, what we would call tech companies here that are employing students. Consumer Affairs is a great example of that. But we have a couple of students at Bank of Oklahoma Financial. We have students um, very much in the aerospace industry, which is increasingly dependent on software. So uh, SimStar, Flight Safety, L3 Harris all have hired graduates. Very cool. So if, so might as well uh, tell our listeners, so how, how would they connect with Holbert and then um, apply and yeah, get and, started. And while you're answering that, when you're done with that, answer the the deal that people sort of get for for, for going to Holberton Tulsa specifically. So you can find us at HolbertonTulsa.com. Uh, on there, you can see uh, all of our programs that we offer, the start dates that we have. There's a nifty little YouTube video of me walking around campus giving a little song and dance so you can see the tour. 
Um, we would love to see you so you can sign up for a tour there. You'll also find lots of financial information. Um, something that we're really proud to offer uh, is the ability for students to delay their tuition payments until they graduate and have secured employment. Um, it's called an income share agreement. Uh, and the the gist of it is that we allow a student to pay a percentage of their income after they have graduated and secured employment above a minimum income of $40,000. So if you're above that, you're paying a percentage of your income to the school for a, a set window of time. It's three and a half years. Um, and isn't there like a, if you're, if you stay in Tulsa, you get something else? We do also partner with the George Kaiser Family Foundation and the Schusterman Family Foundation on a living assistance program. So it's separate from tuition, uh, but eligible students uh, can apply once they've gotten admitted to Holberton and actually be eligible for up to $1,500 a month. Um, they can put that no questions asked towards living. Um, if someone got the dream job and moved out to mm, Dallas, it's easy to rag Ooh. on Dallas. Boo, Dallas. Um, we we would have them pay back that living assistance, except that it would go into the fund to the next student. If they stay in Tulsa while they're here and working those, those first number of years, uh, we actually waive repayment on that entirely. So yes. Um, our goal is to first and foremost, give people an opportunity to learn this skill. I think our secondary goal and the thing that gets me also very excited is the prospect of building something here in Tulsa. We, listeners of Pod for Good know Chris and I's thoughts on the city of Dallas and its terribleness. <laughs> um, oh, I mean, this is, it's really, it's a great idea. And I love, I love the idea that you don't have to pay people back until you get a job in said field. That makes a lot more sense than the sort of university model where you're paying for a degree that may or may not help with your job. Uh, not that college is bad. College is great. But especially in today's world with changing jobs, it seems like a much more efficient way of letting people sort of learn a new skill and switch careers. And I think that Tulsa is actually ripe for this type of schooling. Um, one of our biggest disadvantages over the last several decades is that we do not have in our city a public four-year university. Um, we have great pathways now from community college into your junior and senior year at one of the flagship schools across the state. We have an outstanding, um, you know, two outstanding private schools, ORU and TU to choose from, but there's no public university here. And so I think for the city of Tulsa to invest in the talent needed for us to even think about calling ourselves a tech hub, we need to innovate and think about the different ways we can get the, the workforce trained, both our existing workforce, which right now the average age of a Holberton student is 30. So a vast majority of our students have pivoted from something else and are learning to code. And now I think we also get to do what is going to be no small feat, but think about what the folks in the K-12 system right now are looking for as they graduate. And I, I would give uh, a huge shout out that Holberton is not the only option for folks interested in tech. There's a new Tulsa Community College cyber program that has an attached apprenticeship. Uh, there's a, a great group in town called Satellite, uh, and they train people who have sales experience to do tech sales, which is remarkably lucrative as an industry um, and something, frankly, you can do remote. And so that dynamic of, hey, we've not got a public university, but we need to figure out the ways we can train our current workforce and our future workforce actually leaves some room for perhaps more innovation. There's also for the K through 12, there's a uh, urban coders guild who just celebrated their fifth anniversary. Fifth anniversary. So, yes. They train, they've trained over 300 students coding. And those I've got to volunteer with one of their demo days. Once these middle school and high school students are remarkable. They're programming apps. They're programming in unity already. Like they, they're really, really in the thick of it. Of the two of us, Chris is the only one who's actually like learned a programming language. Uh, was it C plus plus? Uh, I, I learned several, but yeah, C plus plus, Visual Basic, Pascal. Mm. I, don't, I don't even know. If, I don't think people do that anymore. And then a lot of SQL. And now I'm trying to learn some R and Python at work. So if you go next door to our other campus, you'll see that there are two conference rooms next to each other. There is SQL and no SQL. <laughs> um, and there are a lot of little Easter eggs throughout the building. I love it. Listen, like there's there's so much room for nerd humor in uh, in this space, and I appreciate it. Um, so like, just the clarification question for me. So there's C, there's C plus and there's C plus uh, plus. 
someone else more technical in the audience could probably answer that. There's also C sharp. Really? <laughs> which um, Tulsa is a C, uh, heavily C sharp town, except that people are using it um, not in the way that we typically teach, which our C sharp students are doing like really cool virtual reality uh, Interesting. visualizations. Uh, so. That is truly the extent of my technical knowledge. Is if you, I've just poured out all of it for you. No, I'm just I'm amazed anything works considering all the different languages that then have to talk to each other to get things to work. I have a friend who runs product development for a company that literally just sells APIs. They sell business to business and they just sell the connective tissue, the digital connective tissue from one website to another. It's a whole industry. Actually, all right. I just came up with another question. So... <laughs> There's a lot of energy being put into like these no code coding type of applications. Like where does that come into in in sort of this sort of training that you might you, you might do here? I am so so for low code and no code options as one a vehicle into the industry. I think I would say plenty of our students may have started that that way. Um, but that tinkering, that like exposure is really great. And if someone wants to jump in and make this their career, um, it's an interesting starting point. It certainly won't get you to be a full stack software engineer employed uh, at one of the big buildings behind us downtown. Um, but it's an interesting place to start. It's also a phenomenal option for the musicians, the visual artists, the other people in this ecosystem over the course of Spark Summit that may not have the money to go hire a developer, may decide that they don't want to learn to code, but they're wanting to leverage technology to help propel their art um, or pro propel the business that runs their ability to do art. And so that that piece, I think, is is really compelling. Well, someone has to program those no-code and low-code things. And so that's even more interesting to me because someone is coding something to make it very user-friendly for somebody to make their own sort of shortcut or um, auto, you know, automation, or what have you, and I'm like, that seems even harder to me than just programming a, a program. To we work. did have a visual artist panel yesterday approve, like, stamp of approval on Canva. So I feel like I have to sit here and say, yes, use the prefabricated websites. the The biggest hurdle I think is is believing that you have any capacity to build something for yourself, like the ability to build regardless of how you're doing it, whether you're from scratch designing the HTML or using an out of, you know, out of the box option. Um, it's getting more people to believe they are capable of building things online that is going to help propel us forward. Do you have a room where people who like to just yell at uh, their computer as they're trying to fix a problem? Uh, <laughs> like they, they go to this particular room that's like soundproofed? You can go out onto the street. That's okay. fine. Onto what yeah. did Chris call it? I, Innovation I, station. I yeah. really don't Choo -choo. like that, but that's yeah. just me. Um, <laughs> so what's your preferred term? I, I it's her fight. I don't know what the qualifier should be or the descriptor should be, but I do like the word district. I mean, the rest of the city of Tulsa uses that terminology. Mm -hmm. And what my hope for this block is, is not just that it's a place for tech and a place for innovation to happen, but that it is known as that place and that people feel welcome coming in. Um, and so some of the projects that not all of them have been announced that are going to continue to inhabit these warehouse spaces and get transformed include some things that aren't techie. We have bar concepts, restaurant concepts, like that matters. We need foot traffic here. I want someone to like go to dinner, walk past Holberton and be like, what is this? Oh, and there's a virtual reality gaming cafe. And so that's my hope that like the name has purpose, not just for like planting the flag and saying we do tech here. Although that it is what we do. <laughs> A lot of tech here in this building, um, but that it's something that can be known and that new people can discover. Well, thank you very much for your time. I think we're running short, but we've got one more guest to, to bring on. Thanks, folks. Do we have one more guest? Oh. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to get your... The five-minute counter we were given did not start. <laughs> well, yes. I think they were uh, waiting since we still had a guest to come Oh, on. nice. <laughs> Appreciated. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, it's really hard to get Jesse to stop talking when he gets on a roll. How he does dare not pick, you, He does not pick sir. up on, on cues when you're trying to like... I 
I picked wink up the, at him. I and... picked up their work cues. I didn't know what the cues meant. So, <laughs> uh, so for uh, our third guest here, we are joined uh, Michael from Fansub, which until yesterday I did not know was a local company. So this is exciting. So, Michael, say hi to everybody. Um, <laughs> good morning. Good morning, everybody. I appreciate you guys for having me on. So yeah. So tell us what Fansub is. Yeah, for sure. So you know, Fansub, we're building uh, essentially the first all-in-one platform to help artists, venues, fans, and organizers essentially discover, right? But the long-term vision is to be that all-in-one stop, right? That new home where if I'm an artist, if I'm a venue, if I'm a promoter, and I want to reach the next kind of tier, if you will, of my career, I go to Fansub, and they're going to help me manage my booking, my marketing, my community, and building dependable revenue sources. So how did Fansub get started? So uh, good and funny story, right? So we love those. Uh, right after the pandemic happened, right, uh, our founder and CTO, former NFL football player Brandon King, uh, who later transitioned into tech, um, seen the engagement problem, right? So you go on social media, you know, you have five thousand followers, right? I put out an Instagram post, and what maybe two thousand people are going to see it, maybe like a hundred people are actually going to convert where I want them to go. So we seen that problem and he was looking for a fix for it. Then the pandemic hit and now particularly artists, 90% of the revenue streams are cut. So he had this vision for this all-in-one tool, particularly from the live streaming and marketing side. Um, so he starts putting together a prototype and I'm a former artist manager and booking agent. So, you know, he puts out a tweet. He's from Atlanta, I'm from Chicago. He's like, hey, I need a booking agent. So I reply to the tweet. We have a five-hour conversation about you know, what the vision is and creator empowerment and advocacy. Next thing you know, he brings me on as a co-founder. And then, you know, we're testing some stuff, throwing some shows. And I am a massive advocate of up and coming artists. Like I prefer to find the artists when they're at like a thousand monthly listeners rather than the guy who's at like, you know, Drake's level. Right. So I knew of this guy called Cam James for years. Uh, he was out of Atlanta. And we ended up booking him and he's actually sitting right back there in the crowd. Um, we brought him on and we just seen all of the skills that he brought, right? Former uh, Georgia Tech grad, you know, pr programmatic advertiser, marketer, cinematographer. We later brought him onto the team and then later uh, our CEO, Chris Davis. And since then, it's just been all testing and iteration. You know, we were putting together a pitch deck, literally like our second ever investor pitch, Dominic Artist. Uh, he ran an accelerator program called Act Tulsa. So we uh, pitched to him and he was like, hey, you got two weeks to move to Tulsa. And at the time we were like, okay, well, what's in Tulsa? What are we doing? Where are we going? And we decided it was the best move for the company. And we ended up making that move out here with like a half-baked product, if you will. And Tulsa came kind of like our, our playground. We you know, were thrown into this ecosystem in, in a very favorable manner. And you know, really we're allowed to just test and iterate and on top of that, right, we just seen how rich the arts community is here, right? Uh, coming from Chicago, I wasn't sure what to expect. I get here and I see artists like Dr. View and Lex and KO, who are some of the best like lyricists I've ever seen and are creating like true rich content um, and just decided Tulsa is the perfect place for us to incubate. So for the people who like registered um, to come to the Spark Summit and got to see fans uh, maybe for the first time, what would you tell them is what does Fansub offer specifically like for the users that some of the other websites do not offer? Big thing for us, right, is we're all about like creating engaging experiences, but like we're also genuine people trying to create genuine experiences, right? You can go to an Eventbrite and go get a ticket for sure. But the disconnect there is like Eventbrite doesn't care about that artist or that or that organizer. We truly do. And on top of that, no disrespect or shade to Eventbrite, but I think our experiences are a lot better than Eventbrite's, right? Like we personally are in the field ourselves throwing these events, right? Like uh, Chris was talking about it earlier. We host Select Showcase. Select Showcase is a monthly showcase designed to highlight up and coming artists in Tulsa. And it's all about creating experiences, right? Like two months ago, we had a rock and hip hop show where literally we had some like grunge and like ragey rock band and then we threw some like boom bap hip-hop artists on the same card it makes no sense on paper but when you get there it's a great experience so the big thing that we can provide today the thing that really sets us apart 
is one we care. We're actually trying to create the tools to push these artists and organizers forward. And then on the other side of that, like I said, we are uh, we're right here. So we're building. Very cool. So when you're um, supporting the artists and the venues at the same time, I mean, does that does that create any conflicts for you, or how do you resolve those when there might be differences in the uh, in the vision of what they want? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And in full transparency, we're still trying to figure it out. But the big thing that I love that we're already seeing in terms of like the value is is discovery. Right? You can go to FanSub right now and see creator events and you can see venue hosted events and if we are able to figure out how to streamline these tools and the platform for both users i think this creates a super cool intersection of and this all in all all in one hub for artists creators and fans i honestly don't know if i'm getting cues from behind me about whether we should wrap up or not okay i was just looking at you okay see (laughs) i'm normally so great at reading uh people's cues um do you have a favorite venue in town so far? Uh, that's a great question. Transparently, I think there's bias to this, but I think it's got to be Mercury Lounge only because of the environment that we're able to create for Select. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're like super diverse in the talent that they promote. Like literally, you'll go there on a Wednesday night and they'll have like an old country band. And then you'll go there on like a Friday night and it's like a trap hip hop artist. Right. So like they're all over the spectrum. But um, I think they're creating this diverse environment that we want to see in Tulsa. Right. And really being able to expand to multiple different demographics. So it's got to be Mercury. But again, there's probably some bias in that. Plus, they've got their uh, bluegrass brunch, which is a lot of fun. Don't tell Bobby this, but I have yet to make it to one. I need to. It's been on my, I swear to God, it literally lives on my calendar. I just have yet to make it to one. Yeah. How long have you been in Tulsa? Uh, a year, but uh, with uh, with uh, some grace, right? When we first got here, we were only supposed to be here for three months. Um, we left from like November to January as we were like figuring it out. So like truly integrated into the community probably since like January, but in full totality, about a year. So other than, you know, the, the bands and the artists and the venues you deal with, what else have you learned and discovered that you enjoy about Tulsa? It's the community for sure. Uh, I think Tulsa's community is completely unmatched. I've worked in like multiple co-working spaces, but we're up at 36 degrees north. And like just seeing the collaboration that happens in that building to me is inspiring. It's like <clears throat> literally if I have a question, I can walk down the hall and ask any of these other startup founders so like the startup community here in tulsa is completely unparalleled in my experience and it's, it's a super special time to be here um because everybody's like supporting and like building collectively um which is something i don't think you see in a lot of other cities right i go back home to chicago it's not that i go get a coffee and i'm like i'm lucky to have a conversation with any of the other companies in in, in that co-working space so uh, Tulsa's community is definitely a special one and we're just, uh, we're happy to be a part of it truly. Yeah. So looking forward five years from now, what does FanSub look like? <laughs> that's a, that's a great question, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this. The true vision for FanSub is we want to be known as the place, uh, to get discovered and to discover, right? For a fan, you want to know what's going on on a Friday or Saturday night? I'm just going to go to FanSub because I know they have all of the coolest events in every town. Um, and for an artist, being able to go to FanSub to essentially find paid opportunities, find that engaged audience, um, and essentially grow your reach and fan base. On the other side of that, though, and one thing I'm like super excited to figure out is... You know, like I said, I'm a former artist manager, booking agent, A&R, and it's like I've seen firsthand there is no path for a creator in this industry, right? There's no one through six step to go from I'm making music in my mother's basement to I'm touring with Drake, right? That just trial and error until I hope and fingers crossed I figure it out. What we're really passionate about doing is helping create that path. So I want to see you come to FanSub. There's six steps. You do these six steps, you're going to get to fan subs tier two. Then you do these 10 steps, you get to fan sub tier three. And along the way, we're showing you how to legitimize your business, scale, and actually turn this, this, this dream 
into a sustainable career. Very cool. I know FanSub was where you can get tickets to for Fest as we talked uh, to Carter Combs recently. So I feel like a lot of Tulsa events are going to be on FanSub soon. So that's the, I'm, I'm happy for you. And by the way, beautiful looking website. I'm always, I'm always amazed at new websites that I'm like, oh, they didn't think about this like color scheme or how it's going to look. Everything looks just very nice and clean. And so um, thanks for talking with us today. Yeah. No, thank you for having us on. And really quick, just to address that, because I'm going to be honest, you just made my heart smile because you look at all these other ticketing websites and they look like they're from the 2000s. Yeah. And yep. We take great pride in that. So thank you very you did, much. Yeah. I was like, mm, this looks good. Yeah. So well, thank you, Michael. And, you know, uh, best of luck and get to that brunch. So will do. I appreciate you guys again for having, having yeah. me on. Great meeting you all. Thank you. And thank thanks, you. For, thanks for helping us close out the podcast. Yeah. Fan sub. Yeah. So. Well, Chris, we have 30 seconds left counting down. How you think it went? Uh, it could have been worse. We got a chance to make fun of you, which is always fun. And I know you enjoy that. I do. So yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be, be okay. Got a name drop as mm. the, it always ac accidentally happens at least once per podcast. Yeah. So yeah, I think we should keep talking until it says zero. Oh, right. So just like randomly yeah, well, ramble. I'm curious. It's gonna buzz at us. It's gonna flash. I think probably nothing. Oh uh, well, that's the point. Here. You get your so. button ready. You can you can buzz us out, Jesse. All Come right. On. And, and we're done. Yeah. All right, we're done. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>